Walking through this letter for a couple of months, took a little break during Advent. Um, and I always like the way that uh, God just, you know, always knows what He's doing. Because without in any way trying to manipulate the uh, the schedule of how like the, our pace, I guess you could say, of going through this letter, uh, just so happened to land on what I think is um, an incredibly appropriate uh, passage for us tonight to look at in light of the fact that it's our uh, fifth birthday. Um, and so uh, I'm not going to, I want to treat the text properly, um, but there will be a little bit of um, interpretation in light of where we are, you know, I, I feel like um, like the word, uh, as you study it, you know, you always look at um, you know the context of what's what's being communicated and and who it was being communicated to and all that kind of stuff. And then um, in different ways from week to week, we bring that into our you know current context. You know, ask you know God, okay, what is that? How does that meet us where we are today? And so we'll kind of look at what it meant then, and we bring it into our context today. Um, it, it's going like, to go right to the fact that this is the anniversary or the birthday of the church. So I think it would be kind of cool to do that. Um, so we, um, last week, um, you know, had a really good, I, I felt like a really good time in, in the text. This, uh, like where we pick up, actually kind of um, makes sense. You know, this is a letter, and so you would, it's kind of jumping into the middle of a letter. Um, it all, really only makes sense if you know what has come before it. And so we're going to get there in just a second, but I actually want to start at the end of the passage we're going to look at tonight, um, because I think that will help us understand. So if you look at verse 11, much of 2 Corinthians is, uh, is, is about Paul um, addressing like his critics. Um, he had been in Corinth, he had established the church there, he had trained up the leaders um, he had, had been with them for a year and a half, and then uh, the Lord, once their leaders were ready to take it, He let them like just hand it over, you know, uh, the reins a little bit to them. And He moved on to another place to begin another work there. Um, but He kept up with that church that He had started, and kind of, kind of continued to be their their um, one of their pastors from afar. And so this letter, uh, He's He had been addressing uh, through letters and then in person and through all these different means. Uh, some problems that had happened because after he left, uh, there was kind of a power struggle, and um, some people, some guys were coming in, and they were trying to take over control of this church, uh, and that would require basically um, trying to um, take their credentials away from Paul and try to create this uh, mistrust of him, you know, among the people where, that where he had started the church, and so these guys were coming in if they could get the church at Corinth to not trust Paul. And to trust them, then that's how they would take over. And so they were just very critical, accused him of a lot of things. Um, and uh, a lot, some of what their one of their really big hang-ups was the fact that that Paul kept getting in trouble. You know, he kept having uh, trouble with the law. 
Um, he, he kept falling into persecution. He, he would get you know, beaten up, and he would deserve all these, these things, and we'll look at them in a second. And so kind of what they were saying was, if he was really an apostle sent from God, he would have a more blessed life than he does. Like he wouldn't have all those problems. And, and so um, a lot of what 2 Corinthians is about is Paul trying to explain to him that that's not how God works. It's not a like it's not about these circumstances and all this kind of stuff. That's that's not what like legitimizes the like sending and um, you know the sending of God and the ministers of God and all that kind of stuff. That's not what it's about. Um, and so the end of this, like when we pick up verse eleven, this kind of gets to his heart. And the text we're going to look at tonight, this is kind of like where it's it's where he's aiming. Um, it says verse eleven it says, "We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians." Our heart is wide open. And when he says our, he's talking about him, and he kind of had a crew of ministers that, that were with him and stuff like that. And so not only was Paul being discredited, but his whole group was. And so um, it says, um, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. What he's essentially saying is, is that that his heart, no matter what criticism um, comes his way, no matter how much the Corinthians have been swayed and even are kind of uh, kind of betraying him in, in a sense, no matter what happens to them, he's, he said, "Look, our hearts are wide open to you. Uh, there is there's only love and affection for you, like from us." Um, he said, "So we're we're fully open and fully loving you. Our hearts are wide open." but your hearts are not wide open to us. And our desire is for you to love us the way that we have loved you. And that's really what he's getting down to. It's not about power. It's not about, I started this church and I'm the, you know, it's not any of that stuff. It's, it's just this love that he has for them. And so that's, that's kind of the, his, his landing point, his motivation. All right, so we're going to pick up actually in chapter 5. Uh, we're going to start in verse 20, which is where we were last week because it kind of helps us make sense a little bit. Um, it says, Therefore, we are, in, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Okay? Stop right there. So he's talking about being ambassadors, being sent by God, um, representing God, speaking the words of God to people, um, and, and working like in tandem with God. And that's so much of what ministry is, and that's for every single one of us who are believers. Um, we somehow work in tandem with God to connect with people and to care with people. And it's super mysterious. Um, it's not one of those things where, um, you know, like God does everything, but we also, uh, it's not one of those things where God does everything, we do nothing. It's not the other extreme where we do everything and God just kind of sits back and either approves or disapproves. There's some kind of cooperation between us. And so in verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, working together with him, being God, we appeal to you to not receive the grace of God in vain. He said, don't, don't receive the gospel and, and deceive yourself into thinking that the gospel is, is all about you. 
Don't receive it because of what it can, how it can benefit you, and then and then it actually like goes nowhere. The gospel is is a gospel of grace that is to be received in humility and with, with incredible gratitude. But it also it pushes you forward. See, Paul's critics were coming into this church, and they were they were appealing to everybody's selfish ambition in in the church body. So he's saying is like you don't receive the grace of God in vain and make it all about you. Don't let them appeal to your selfish ambition because that's not the gospel. And when it when you when that becomes why you want Jesus, why you want um, you know salvation, why you want to be a part of the church, when that's that's where it is, you become the the termination point. It, it completely stops with you. And the grace of God is meant to to flow from God into you and then through you onto others. So he said, don't receive it in vain. Don't make it all all about you. Verse 2, before he says, and he quotes Isaiah 49, says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So he quotes Isaiah, and so by, by doing that, he's, he's connecting some dots in the mind of the Jewish listener, uh, because they all believe that Isaiah was a prophet from God, he was God's mouthpiece, speaking God's words to God's people. And so Paul kind of steps in line behind Isaiah in their minds. He says, see, I'm, I'm here to, to play the same role that Isaiah played. I've been sent by God to speak certain things to God's people. And that, that uh, passage that he's quoting, is it's a messianic prophecy about Jesus that's to come. He's saying, see, the, the age of salvation that Isaiah 49 references, that, that day is today. Says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That today is the day that everybody's been waiting for. We don't have to wait any longer. Now's the time to step into that grace and step into who he is. So, so he continues just to point them right back to Jesus. In verse 3, it says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Verse 3, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Um, and we can just leave that verse up there for a second. Um, the, the progression so far is, is him him. He's continuing to establish himself as sent from God, sent from God, words from God to you about Jesus, about everything. And then as he's established this, now he, he's starting to get into like some of their questions against him. And so he's just been just like laying this steady case, this incredible, just theological like base that he's just been building and building and building. And now that he's built it and he's pointed everyone to Christ, and he's like, it's not about me, it's all about Jesus. Grace is not about you, it's not about us, it's all about him, it's all about him. I'm here from him to tell you to be reconciled to God. He's, he's got everything out there. And so now, now he can start to address his critics. So instead of him, like, you know, going the other way and trying to, like, clear his name first and then build the base, he's built the base. And so now they've been immersed in truth. Now I said, okay, now, now, let's, now let's talk about some of the things people say. He says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. 
Now, there's a lot in this verse that we're not going to unpack tonight. It says, you know what? The gospel, the word of God, what Jesus has done, all that is far too important to let some something silly in life uh, bring questions in people's minds. You just spent all this time, and we've spent a couple weeks you know, here and there talking about it, going through chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. And I mean, he values so much the reconciliation of with God that Christ provides and the grace of God. He, it's so incredibly important to him. He says, look, we've done nothing that would compromise that. We've safeguarded that gospel treasure in every possible way. I'm almost saying, like, do you, you think this is a game to us? Yeah. You think this is a joke? It's not a joke. We put no obstacle in anybody's way so that nobody can find followers. And it's not about, look at us. We're so hardcore. We have so much integrity. It's like, no, because what we're guarding is so important. And I think, you know, to bring that into our context, I think it's something that, that we as a church have been really, like, fighting for. And sometimes that fight is ugly, and sometimes it's really great. I think just trying to say, look, can we, can we conduct ourselves in a way where nobody is going to come and, and find fault with us and question with us, you know? I don't know. I mean, we're, that's our heart is to walk this, this out, to be like Paul and say, look, I, whatever, there's, we don't want to do anything that would bring about questions. Next part of the verse, I'm uh, sorry, in verse four it says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, right? That sounds kind of weird. He's like, we commend ourselves. It sounds like he's kind of being boastful. But really what he's saying is that um, we, we're taking ownership over everything that we've done and everything that we have been through. His critics were saying, oh, yeah, you know, he keep, this, this has happened, this has happened. These are all the reasons why you shouldn't trust him. And Paul says, you know what? Everything, everything that they would say, Instead of trying to refute all that, I'm just going to own it. I'm going to say, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been through that. Yeah, I got arrested. Yeah, I've gotten beaten. Yes, I've been you know, shipwrecked. Yes, I'm going to own all that. I'm going to commend myself in every single way. And that had to be so weird, you know, when you just don't see people like defending themselves in that way. And so he, he goes through this list, and uh, I find it very interesting. Look at what he says. Verse 4 says, But as serv- servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. He's like, yeah, all those things that you think... Um, discredits me, I'm owning all that. Say, yes, every one of those, me. I've been through it. I'm not trying to explain my way out of it. I'm not trying to deflect anything. Yes, I commend myself and ourselves in every way that we have been in all those situations. Great endurance. Then he has a, a, a more positive list. Verse 6, by purity knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, 
by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. That's a much better list of things. And so he's kind of kind of mapping out both sides of, of what he's been through. He's like, yeah, I've been through all that terrible stuff. I've been through all this stuff. It's really awesome. I commend our ministry in that. And so why, why would he do that? Why would that be his approach? It was because Paul, had a, he understood how God worked. Much more than his opponents, and much more than the church that he was discipling. So he's basically saying, you know what, I, we've been through all these terrible things, and, and we made it. And if we weren't from God, and we weren't empowered, and we... We weren't sent, um, we weren't reconciled to him, we weren't abiding. If all those things weren't happening, then we would not have made it. This letter would not be, like, you would not, I would not be writing it, so I would not be here at all. It says, my opponents bring that against me, saying, oh, well, you must not really be blessed by God. And I'm saying, like, no, I'm completely blessed by God because I'm here and I'm writing this. And he says, and see all these good things? I had nothing to do with that either. I mean, all these good things that people would say, well, that's why he's that. Well, I didn't earn that or whatever. Saying the good stuff and the difficult stuff is both proof. of The goodness and the grace of my sender. And the one I represent and the one I speak for. Um, and so I made a list for us. Um, that I thought would be relevant. Um, and this was an interesting exercise. Uh, I thought about just just the five years that we've been around. Um, now, like I said, we started in 98 as a college ministry. We experienced a lot between then and February 12, 2006. Um, but this is just, just as a church. Um, if his not-so-good list, uh, not really not-so-good, it's just more just the tough stuff. Uh, he says it's basically things where he had to have great endurance, as he says. Um, here's some of the things on my list that we've been through. Um, when we started, we had a lot of baggage from our college ministry years. Um, and we did so much wrong. It's shocking that he let us be a church. <laughs> Uh, sometimes. Um, as a college ministry, we had very little oversight. Um, and so when the wise old owls among you are like 23, uh, sometimes you don't always make the best decisions. And that's nothing against 23-year-olds. Uh, I'm just speaking from experience. Um, we just, we didn't, we didn't have anybody over us. And so uh, there's one example, and people talk about it you know, from time to time. We had this girl's Bible study that literally did more damage in 30 minutes than I've ever seen. Um, I've just never seen anything in 30 minutes do that much destruction. To the point where there are, are females who are there and are part of that Bible study who still to this day, 10, 12 years later, want nothing to do with Jesus or this church because of what went down. Um, and so when we started the church, we had a lot of baggage that we had to deal with. And that we needed great endurance for that. Um, we also had some baggage from our mother church uh, our mother church was in, involved in a three-way split at the time when we launched. 
Um, and so we had a lot of hurts to deal with there. Um, of course, right off the bat, we had Katrina. Uh, and then we um, worked for 10 weeks at, a, at Southern University doing a kid's shelter uh, where all the, you had families sleeping in the basketball arena, and we'd come in every afternoon and take all their kids off the parents' hands and do, you know, play games with them and do artsy stuff and, you know, whatever, uh, to kind of give the parents a break. And so for 10 weeks, we had volunteers go every day uh, to Southern and do that. That required a lot of endurance. Um, we had to make it through Katrina. We had to make it through Gustav. Um, we've had to make it through people learning how to be married, um, which, I mean, marital bliss is awesome, but it's also, like, super difficult at times. And so there's just had to be a great deal of endurance for that. Um, people learning how to be parents has been interesting. Um, us as a church learning how to be a kid-friendly church. Um, when we first started, we just didn't have very many. Um, so we've had to learn that. That's been tough at times. Uh, we've had to deal with divorce and the impact that that's had. Um, we've had to help people through financial recovery. We've had to walk through situations that would, can only be described as long-suffering. Um, just slowly walking through healing with people and just being in it for the long haul. That's taking some endurance. Um, and just the normal sanctification that we all go through uh, at times is pretty pretty hard. Um, so we had ring baggage, we had park view baggage, and then we had just general church baggage um, that everybody kind of has, just the weird experiences, the bad teaching, the you know, sometimes just the standard that was set so high and the ring doesn't meet it. There's just all kind of things there. Um, that's been tough. We've People leaving has been tough. Um, sometimes it's going to other churches here in the city. Um, sometimes it's just people moving other places. But our, our college ministry and our church has always kind of been, um, it's just kind of had that, that effect to it. Uh, we don't live in the kind of city where everybody who comes here like is here and they never leave. Um, and so just that transition, just the, the relationships and stuff, that's sometimes been difficult. Um, we've, we've had to walk through alcoholism. We've had to walk through drug addiction. Um, we've been able to send four to Home of Grace. That's required some endurance. Um, wounds from abuse, wounds from marital infidelity. Um, Church discipline, conflict resolution. We dealt with death and loss. We dealt with miscarriages. We dealt with chemical imbalances. We dealt with homelessness. We dealt with just helping people get the help that they need. And just our share of situations that we looked at and, and just said, this this is an impossible situation. There's no there's no way out of this. Um, in five years, that's that's a heck of a list. Um, One of the commentaries I read, uh, it said that you know this list in this text highlights God's power in the midst of human weakness, and we have um, we've walked through our share of what happens when sin runs its course, and just the the aftermath of that, and the human weakness side of life, the difficulty. Um, but the truth is, every one of those things I just listed. Um, has led to incredible, incredible glory to Jesus. 
Because when I say marital infidelity, I'm talking about we have walked through marital infidelity and it has not led to divorce. You know, when I say we've walked through alcoholism, it's about people being delivered from that kind of bondage and drug addiction and financial recovery and all those things. Every one of them, while they have required great endurance and they have been difficult at times, every single one of those things is an absolute testimony to the grace and power of God at work. And so Paul, when he lists those things, he's almost, there's, I almost just get the sense that he's like, man, these, these people, they see those things as negative. They weren't negative, they were just hard. They were just difficult. They weren't negative, they were so incredibly positive. And so then he goes and he, he makes a positive list, so if you're make a positive list too. Um, we've watched community groups, um, like get more and more and more and more on the same page as far as like what groups are about. We've watched them grow. We've watched them multiply. We've watched them. Um, some of them, some groups just say, hey, look, uh, we're going to be mature enough to say that our group has come, our time together has come to an end, and we're going to scatter and get into other groups and get to know other people. I and mean, we just watched that happen. Um, we we watched uh, Breakfast on the Levee go from a, what if we did this to something that happens, uh, you know, not only every other week with our church, but the weeks in between with another church. Um, we watched our college ministry go from like five of us to a lot of us. And I remember like when we started, people were like, hey, where's all the college students? I thought you were college ministry. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And so we started praying that God would connect us to a few college students and that that would lead to more and more and more. And he has done it. Um, we have this band that plays every week that was supposed to just fill in for us so, so we could figure out what to do. And they've gone from being the band that plays at the ring to being our worship leaders. Um, that's been awesome. Uh, Advent Conspiracy has been incredible. Um, we've started up the discipleship ministries for husbands and for wives. Our nursery is rocking with the lead teachers and all the volunteers. Um, we have elders and elder process that's continuing to get more and more healthy. Uh, our overall structure, if you've ever taken the membership class, we have like overlapping circles and all that kind of stuff. All that is becoming more and more real. Um, We've watched our, these kids grow up. I mean, five years doesn't seem like very long uh, until you start looking at some of the pictures over there, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Um, we survived a physical move across town, which never, uh, that just never goes as well as it did for us. And uh, it was, you know, the, the, uh, the other day, you know, I was talking about that or whatever, and, you know, I was like, you know what, we, sh we sure enough gave people an out. We're like, we're going over there, and you don't have to come with us. And some of you don't need to come with us. And and people took it for real. I feel like the people who made the trip here were like, okay, we're in. The people who didn't come, I feel like really prayed about it and felt like they were supposed to sink in where they were going or something else. Um, here's some crazy statistics. Well, there's and there's sorry, there's Mexico which is continuing to, to be awesome. And there's India, which is continuing to be awesome. Um, but there are some statistics. Uh, we've had 35 weddings or so-ish, all right? That's a lot of weddings in five years, think about it. That's a lot of toasters, you know? Uh, um, we've had 15 babies born, uh, so 15, five, five and under. That's a lot. 
There's more on the way. I know. Uh, we've had um, over 30 people that we sent out to work camps. Um, we've sent several dozens to Mexico. I don't even know how to count how many we've sent to Mexico. Um, we've sent 40 people to the mission field in 21 different countries. That's awesome. I mean, there's a lot of countries. But 21 different countries, 40 different people. Um, here's some financial uh, stuff. I, I think this is cool. Uh, we've had $966,000 come in in tithes and offerings. Uh, and we've had $26,000 and some change given to Living Water International to build, uh, you know, dig freshwater wells. Um, and if you were to combine those together and count January and up to this point in the month, it's right at a million dollars that's come in, um, which, which is a tremendous like testimony to the fact that like God, like it's His money, you know, it's His vision, it's everything's His, uh, because that was one of the big concerns is like how in the world are we going to pay for this? And our answer is like we're not going to pay for it. God's going to pay for it, and um, that's been tremendous to watch. So about a million dollars has come in. So like I said, uh. 26,000 to Living Water has gone out. Um, 32,000 has been spent on college ministry. Um, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> but to me, that 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 says a lot about uh, our heart. Also, uh, $38,000 uh, has gone to kids and to youth. Um, it was imported into those ministries. So you put those together. Whatever 3832 is, uh, that's a lot of money to go into like the like emerging uh, generations that are coming. Um, one of my least favorite phrases that's trendy in some church churches is like being like a next generation leader because I I feel like every generation leads in the way that they're gifted, um, but I do like the fact that we're that that people my age. Well, we're not so self-absorbed. I, I would hope to feel like we're always going to be like um, the ones leading in the way that we're leading now. Um, at some point, some of these college students and some of these youth and some of these kids are going to be the ones going through the elder nomination process. They're going to be the ones sitting around that table. They're going to be the ones leading worship. They're going to be the ones making the decisions. They're going to be the ones carrying this thing forward. Um, and so for us to, uh, to take that kind of money and sink like 70 grand into them over the couple of years in different ways, I think is an investment for us. And I want them to be blessed by it, but I really want all of us to understand that that's, that's forward thinking for us. Um, we've given uh, $153,000 to missions. Um, that's gone into uh, church planting and missionaries in Mexico, and just it's gone a whole bunch of different places. $150,000. We've, this is the this is probably the staggering one for me. $187,000 has gone to help people who need some help financially. Um, that's gone to help people uh, make ends meet when things are getting tight. That's gone to help um, put put groceries in the pantry, keep the lights on, that kind of stuff. Um, it's gone to help 
people when God says, hey, this is someone who, um, like, who is hungry, you need to give them something to eat. Someone who's thirsty, you need to give them something to drink. Someone who is cold and needs a coat. Now, I don't say that, but I look at us, look at what we've done. I said, just said, look, look, at, look at the opportunities that God has put in front of us. He said, hey, I'm going to put $187,000 worth of opportunity in front of you, and I'm going to fund it. There's nothing about that that says, look at us. And so for a million dollars to come in over five years, and for... Eight hundred and fifty thousand of that to be gone into ministry, into people, into the kingdom. It's, it's staggering. And so, and that's just and that's just the stuff I thought of yesterday while I was sitting there. There's all kind of things we could add to both sides. The thing is. And I think that's some of what Paul is driving at by making these two different lists. Is He's like, see, you're going to see these lists and you're going to break them into two different things. And sure, from a literary standpoint, it makes sense. From a teaching standpoint, it makes sense. But from Paul's perspective, it's all one list. It's all one list. And so no matter what you and I go through as a church, um, or as individuals, it's all the same. It's all look at the power of God in light of human weakness. It's look at all that we've been through and the fact that we've made it. And that proves that God loves us. He's providing for us. He cares for us. He has sent us. He will equip us and empower us. I mean, He is the boss. It proves it all. And so for Paul's critics to say, well, that makes him, that takes all his credentials away. He's like, no, 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 those are my credentials. And for us to be at the five-year point, we don't have people like trying to discredit us. I don't feel like as a church or they're not going to make it. or you know, I don't, That's not what I'm saying at all. I think it's for us to be able to say, man, God has got his hand on this church. And Paul continues on. And he kind of just kind of builds on his point by contrasting appearances versus reality is what I think it is. Verse 8. It's through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying, and behold, we live, as punished, yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, okay, come on, real, real rich, not earthly rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. I love that last one because, I mean, we possess everything. Regardless of what the appearances are, there's a greater reality at work all the time. 
And so, I mean, you have those those two lists of things we, that required great endurance and things that were, I mean, looked like great victories. And no matter where you are right now, there's an appearance and there's a reality. What we have to do is we have to lock into those realities. And we possess everything. I mean, everything that we need. We possess it. So for a church that is made it to five years and we're looking forward, we have to look back and and build on that. I mean, there's something so dangerous about living in the past too much. Um, we don't want to sit around and just tell stories about the old days. We want to learn from the old days. But we're going forward. And so we want to we want to build on that and not like hang on to that. And so we celebrate the faithfulness of God. We celebrate the good and the difficult. We look at all that as one one big experience of him saying, "Look, you are weak, I am strong." In the difficult stuff, you are weak, I am strong. In the victories, you're weak and I'm strong. Look at it as one list. Look at it as one big list where God says, hey, look at me. Look at, look at what I have done. Look at all the opportunity that I laid in front of you. Look at all the fruit that I have brought about. Look at all the difficulties. Look at all the impossible situations. Look at that list that required great endurance. And look at how I stepped you through each and everything. And as you look at that, Push into whatever is ahead. Don't sit around and whine and complain. Be encouraged by it. And just on a personal level, if, if you're in a place right now, and you're like, yeah, my life is more, I'm on more of the, like, the need great endurance side of things right now. Well, good. Endure greatly. Understand that God is walking you through this. That he has begun something in you and he always finishes what he starts every single time. Without failure, without exception. It's all about Paul pointing back to the goodness of God. It's all about us understanding that, recognizing that, embracing that, and celebrating that. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love that we can look and, and see um, just the ways that you have um, cared for this church and you have cared for us as individuals. And we, um, we, love, we love to be able to, to think about those things and to reflect on that. I pray that you would help us to, to have that same perspective that Paul had that we would commend ourselves in every way because it's really not it's not as self-promoting as it sounds. He said, I, we own every single experience because every single one of them validates the fact that God is at work among us. The good stuff and the tough stuff. So I pray that we would that we would own it but that that would um, 
That would lead to us living it out. That would push us forward. That would um, just kind of give us the nudge that we need, recognizing that you are the faithful one. You have been faithful. You will be faithful because your righteousness means that you always act in accord with your holiness. So you are always going to be consistent. We thank you for what you've done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.